0: by Simmons is this the no! <laughs>
1: Battleborn Phantom. Hello and welcome back to the Battleborn Raptors podcast. I'm your host as always, Joshua and Selmo, here with my co-host Nick Valach. Nick, the Raptors have had an interesting start to the season. They're currently third in the East, but the record is kind of in the middle of the pack. How are you doing? It's been a while since we last talked about this team. I'm not going to lie. Watching every game has been entertaining, has it not?
2: Yeah, this team's uh, exciting, uh, definitely. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be here, happy to be back. It's good to finally get back into the swing of things and, you know, going to be watching basketball again. I think uh, this team... Definitely more exciting to start the year than they were last year. Uh, You're seeing Pascal play at the top of his game, like we know he's been capable of. Um, You know, we're seeing guys take steps. Um, Yeah, they're third in the East. I mean, this is, you know, it's still really early. So, you know, the standings are going to be like this, where everyone's kind of just bunched up and the real teams will separate themselves. But to be honest, the playoff picture right now is somewhat accurate. I mean, you know, the Bucs and Cavs at the top. I think the Cavs are going to be really good this year with uh, Mobley and Donovan Mitchell, you know, playing together for the first time. Uh, you know Celtics at five that kind of thing so you kind of see that the talent in the East is very strong this year Um, in my opinion I think the Eastern Conference is kind of might even be that dominant conference uh, moving forward for the next couple of years Um, but yeah Raptors at third right now sitting at five and three Uh, they've played some impressive games even the losses in my opinion have been very impressive Um, we'll dive more into that I guess another time but definitely love what I'm seeing what I'm seeing so far and uh, yeah just overall looking like a very good and strong young team.
1: Yeah, and I really like what you said there. You look at the schedule right now and the games they've played so far. They started the season with a big win over the Cavs. I agree with you. I think they're going to be a real good team this year. Um, then they lost the Nets, but their rest of the schedule from the Nets lost. They lost to the Heat. They also beat the Heat just after that. They lost to Philadelphia, but they also beat Philadelphia the game before that. Then on Monday night, a game that I was fortunate to attend, uh, they destroyed the Atlanta Hawks. Um, and then they beat the tires off of San Antonio as well the following game. So, so far the schedule, they've played good teams and they've held their own. And, you know, I'm okay with, you know, you had a back-to-back twice against the Miami Heat in the 76ers, and they were able to at least get a game from both of those situations. And for me, if you can just pick up wins here early on to build for the second half, uh, like you said, this is a much better start than they had this year. I'm I'm feeling good right now. I think this team – Uh, You know they're playing that kind of style that we all expected defense first but so far I think we have to start off this episode by talking about the one and only Pascal Siakam because this guy has just been absolutely phenomenal I'm going to read you your uh, read his stats right now he's averaging 25 points a night uh, 9.6 rebounds 7.9 assists uh, averaging one steal and almost a block per game. What has been your thoughts on number 43 to start the season?
2: He looks good, man. I think a lot of people wrote him off last year uh, just due to the fact that, uh, you know, he didn't get off to the, well, he came off the injury and then he really wasn't, you know, off to the greatest of starts. Um, But no, he looks good. This is kind of similar to what he did down the stretch of last season. We know this is kind of what his production is. Um, Like I I never, you know, a lot of people like were really tough on him throughout those playoff runs where, you know, just came up short, but you know, in my opinion, I've always stuck beside Siakam. I I think he's a very legit player. Um, I would not be surprised if he were to make like an all NBA second team. Um, Maybe even an all NBA first team, if he'd like if this was, you know, the play he's going to keep up for the rest of the year. But yeah, he's he's definitely, you know, for sure, an all star in this league. Um, I don't know where I rank him yet, like in terms of like top 15 top 20 players. I'm not sure where he falls into that. But, you know, it's exciting to see the three-point shot falling. He's, you know, shooting 36.1% from three. And we know that he's not the greatest of shooters. So, seeing that kind of fall early definitely, you know, impacts his success. And more importantly, the team success. What do you feel about that?
1: Oh, I agree for sure. I think, I mean, you kind of have the same vision on him, though, right? Like, we don't think he's truly that number one that's going to take your team to, you know, the finals. I think he's a really strong number two. I think he's in that kind of tier. Um, I think this team still lacks that top end option. We're going to get to Fred Van Vliet in a minute and his injury. But right now this team, you know, Scotty Barnes, his emergence last season, really impressive. A lot of people doubted that pick, including myself. He's made us all eat crow. But right now I still think this team lacks that number one. But if Pascal Siakam can keep this up throughout the whole season, like we're talking about right through to the end of it, without having those huge downswings that we've known uh, in the past with him, I think he is going to make a case for that MVP spot that a lot of people gave him credit for coming into the year because of how well he finished towards the end of last season. And so far, he's picked up right where he's left off. I'm just a little bit concerned. Once we get into the middle of things, you know, right in the thick of things, how is he going to handle it? How is he going to compete every night? Um, So far, he looks good. Um, There hasn't been a huge, you know, down performance. He's looked strong in every game so far. Um. obviously I think he's been the early season MVP. Obviously we're very limited only eight games in right now, but Pascal Siakam has been very impressive and he's kind of at that age now where this is, you know, his ceiling, we're going to get the best out of him. And I think it's important for the Raptors to maximize their success in this window right now. I know this is still a young team, you know, Scotty Barnes coming along is really going to change the franchise's outlook for the next, you know, five or six years with how young he is. But right now, Van Vliet, siakam gary trent jr you know you look at the age and the contract statuses i don't think this team is you know real. i don't i, I word that wrong i don't think it's realized how this team is actually kind of in their window to compete right now uh just based off the core what do you think
2: yeah i mean look having barnes on that rookie deal um you know having siakam through his prime years right now having og entering his prime not for like long after uh, resigning guys like Boucher, like this, and especially Precious, in my opinion, who could be one of the most important pieces moving forward. Like they have these young, uh, pieces under control for, you know, a couple of years at least. Right. And I think if they play their cards right and they add, you know, uh, another top level talent, you know, a championship is not out of the question. Like it, in my opinion, like for a superstar, and again, I, you know, if you ask the U S media, it's going to be a lot different. The outlook on the Raptors is always a lot different, but in my opinion, across the league, in terms of dropping a star player into a team and just being like, which team gives you the best chance to win a championship? Dropping a star into the Toronto Raptors is almost a guaranteed—I don't know—conference appearance, if not, like I would say, the ceiling will be a championship. Um, you know, Siakam, as we said, he, hes distributing the ball at a you know ungodly level right now, throwing, dishing out eight assists a game. Uh, you know, and I think Barnes is going to pick it up beside him, right? I think you know, like you said. And I think, like we've both discussed, like he's definitely a number two in my opinion. And that just comes more so from the fact that uh, the way he moves, the way all, you know, just, you know, it, it, there's like levels to it and he's 100% a gifted basketball player and he's playing like a top three, top five player right now. But there's these different like play styles that you need come playoff time, more isocentric, that kind of stuff. Like you even saw with the Bucks with Giannis. Giannis put up 30 in the playoff game, but he needs somebody to open it up for him. And I think that's what Siakam needs. Not necessarily maybe somebody to be better than him, but somebody who opens up the, you know, that spot and somebody who late in the game can take over and do what they need.
1: I I really like that point, especially the way you ended it off and making the honest comparison. Um, You know, you look around the league. There's guys that are available every year, right? Some of the bigger names. Um, But a couple days ago, actually, it was pretty recent. We heard about Brogdon and what he said about potentially coming to Toronto and how he basically picked going to the Celtics instead. I got to ask you, is that a guy you think would have been able to fit that build there and try and help take the attention off Siakam?
2: Now, I don't – this is no slight to Brogdon. Brogdon can make his own decisions. I don't know if Brogdon's – he's for sure the play style of somebody you would like. I think he just might be like a tick under the caliber of player that you need to win a championship for this team. Like, I think he would be good. I think having him makes them a top three team solidified in the East. Um, But I think he would take someone like a – like even like a hair better, in my opinion, to really, you know, um, wholeheartedly say that they're a championship team. What do you think?
1: No, I, I agree for sure. I think he's perfect in that second tier, like you were saying, just under that top edge. It's going to be interesting to see what the Raptors do at this year's deadline and moving forward, right? Like I said, this core of this team, it's a lot older than I think a lot of people realize. You know, we that in that championship season, that's when you really had the younger seasons of Siakam and Fred Van Vliet and the rest of the cast. But now, you know, we're a couple of years removed from that. Um, you know, COVID felt like it's been like, a really long time since then. And now, like, Siakam, 28 years old, right? So it's no more, oh, you know, save, build for, you know, the future. It's about the now, kind of. And you have Scotty Barnes, like you said, on that rookie deal. I think you need to maximize this opportunity you have because this team is knocking on the door of these elite contenders. I agree 100% that they're just missing that little piece. Um, You know, obviously, we say little, but we mean in terms of a player to add here. Uh, It's going to be a big name uh i gotta ask you is there any names that you would look out for just early season that you would like here
2: um i mean honestly like if i'm looking right now it's tough to say uh i would have preferred like you know in the free agency i would have liked someone like dejounte murray um i'm trying to think who else like Dobbin mitchell would have been a nice grab in my opinion like, th- those level of players is kind of exactly what I think would fit the bill, because it's not somebody who's going to cost you your entire franchise, but it's somebody who definitely can come in and fill a role. Uh, I'm just trying to think about who right now would be available. Um, Shy? Yeah, Okay. here's the thing. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what the availability of him is. I've already, yeah. I think I've said this countless times, that I think, like, if you get him, you're talking about, like, a potential dynasty, in terms of just young talent, like that's like in my opinion, shy is so underrated. Shai oh, shy to, sure. sure. to me is to me is a top five point guard in the NBA at minimum,
0: right? right. I
2: think I think he's unreal. 100%. Top fifteen player, I think is 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 his like ceiling. I think not even yeah. I think he can be a top ten player in this league with how talented he really is. Yeah. Um. But yeah, take it from here. But I agree, shy would be the perfect fit if Oklahoma's willing to give it up. The only reason I didn't say his name is because I have no idea what they're doing over there. They like to play him for like twenty games and shut him down. I. Honestly, I couldn't tell you, but I agree
1: 100%. I'm not going to lie. It's frustrating watching OKC play. Like, even in, like, if you play fantasy basketball to anybody listening, you draft anybody from OKC, you might get them for the first half of the season. And then once after December happens, it's like they're just all shut down. Like, they like OKC only plays from, like, October to, like, December. then it's all reserves and they're fresh draft picks. It's frustrating. It is. But I agree. Shy, I think, is incredible him being a Canadian, bringing him here to the North, that would be, you know, insane. Like just imagine having a guy like that, uh, that fits the Canadian build that can, you know, lead this team on with the SEAC. I think it's the, the match made in heaven. Um, But I agree for sure. Like what you said, who knows what OKC's plans are. Uh, They finally started to get a little bit more aggressive at this year's draft. You know, they traded into the first round again, uh, making three selections. So Maybe they're trying to contend a little bit more aggressively now, but I still think they're a little bit away from that. They do have some good players, though. Um, But it would just, like, be interesting. What would, like, OKC want from this Raptors team, right? Like, you know, would OG and OB have to be in that trade? Are they targeting a guy like that? Uh, Sam Presti is a very good GM, so you have to give him credit. He is going to – if he is going to move a big piece, he's definitely going to get his return and what he sees fit for that. But besides the draft picks, you know – Masai Ujiri is not really one of those managers, and you know, uh, same with Bobby Webster to give up loads of first-round picks for talent for the now. Would you be surprised if they go out there and make a trade that is, you know, so significant that they end up giving four first-round picks?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's tough to it's tough to like envision that with this uh, this franchise. It looks like to me, like the way that you know Messiah and Bobby operate is that they like to take risks they do like to calculated risks that's the biggest part right they don't want their risks to just be blindly throwing picks at big name guys and seeing how it works out later they take calculated risks where they they weigh like is this move we make now worth you know setting ourselves back moving forward because again if you make a move like that and you do add four first round picks to get a guy plus a core young piece to get a guy like shy is it enough to put you over the bump? i think they need to be like very very sure of that to make that decision so in my opinion i don't think it's very likely like i feel like it would have to be a situation where like he's asking out and request only the raptors and like something like that for it to be like a reasonable price for the raptors because again i think i agree with you especially with the trades that we just saw where gobert went for like four first round picks or something like that and we saw guys move who shouldn't be moved for so many picks it's like you know, guys are overpaying. Teams are overpaying for these guys. And Shy, in my opinion, would fetch more than half the guys or maybe even all the guys who got traded in this offseason. So I, it, it's tough to foresee because I don't think this is a front office that will do that. Um, but, you know, you never really know.
1: I have to, uh, you know, I talked about Presti in my last uh, point there, but I have to give credit, man. Just thinking about Shy right now, that trade they made when they were put in such a bad position by, you know, the core there, Paul George, and deciding to go, you know in this direction with quiet like the ability to like to get shy back in a trade like that along with the multiple first round picks sam presti piled up in my opinion that like sam does not get enough recognition in this league what do you think
2: oh no 100 percent. i think given like what they were faced with i think they came out fantastic like i think what they've done uh, you have to commend them right um you know, I think you know now they have Chet, although he did miss stuff like you know most of the season. They have a boatload of picks. They still have Shy, um, and again, Shy was an underrated piece of that trade that they uh, that they originally made, right? But then they drafted Giddy and they drafted all these guys, and they have a young core, and and you know it's promising. Like they can really go anywhere from here. It's just like the only reason I don't like the organization is simply because of just how they handle the established players. Um, I'm not a fan of that. But in terms of like you know resource management and getting guys for you know, pieces that were, you know, basically just on the way out no matter what. They've done a phenomenal job, and the way they've been flipping guys around, picking up guys like Kemba, moving him for picks, it's like they find value wherever they can get it, and because of it, you know, they're sitting on a ton of picks, and they're probably going to get more, right? So I do say Pre- Pressy's definitely one of the best GMs in basketball. He can just be frustrating to, like, you know, think about when it comes to their veteran players, or at least their established players.
1: Yeah, he's very patient. I've I've seen, like... You know, no matter who they bring in in terms of veterans, he he's very, very like looking towards the future, very conservative. And you know, sometimes that could get them in trouble. But you know, you look at this Raps team, and I brought up OG and Anobi. He's had a fantastic start so far in his alone, right? He's known for his defensive work. Um, you know, he contributes on offense as well. We knew like we heard all about that that rumors and Um, the negative talk over the off season about OG wanting to go out. And then there was the talk about, is he going to be packaged in a Gobert trade? And, you know, that didn't happen. And we knew Masai wasn't going to trade him. Uh, According to Josh Lewenberg said that, you know, in the summer he loves OG and he's really looking forward to what he can bring. In my opinion, he looks like he's getting, you know, an even larger role than last season so far to start. He's pretty much been everything you could ask for. I've been impressed with him. I hope he keeps it up. What is your thoughts on OG so far?
2: Oh, he's been fantastic. I mean, I love OG. Like, I've always loved OG. The personality, the person, the player. Like, I, I've loved just everything about him. I think he, in my opinion, is one of the most valuable assets in all of the uh, NBA. You know, I think. Every team would kill to have a guy like this. I mean, he's only averaging 14 points right now, but honestly, his role is just perfect. Like, he's a guy who grabbed a couple rebounds. He's averaging 6.3 a game. He's a guy who obviously is, I mean, he said he's, he thinks he's, like, you know, up there for defensive player of the year. I agree with him. I think he's been a snub the last couple of years from all defense teams, you know? I think he's majorly underrated in that department. I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves um you know because again people know he's a good defender but he's really a top five maybe even top three defender in the league when it comes to all around iso just just the versatility in general um he's averaging you know 1.9 or sorry 2.9 steals a game a block and shooting 30 about 36 37 from three so i mean i don't know what more you could really ask from the guy um i know that he tried to work more on his like iso game um But I think, nonetheless, I think how it's turned out so far this year is, like, he looks great. He looks – there's nothing I can say, really.
1: Yeah, and, you know, know, like you said, his steals and what he can bring defensively, it's so important to this team. And the reason why I'm so encouraged by this start is you look at how the Raptors are winning. Like, they're not scoring a boatload of points like they did in their last two games against the Hawks in San Antonio. But they're averaging about, like, 113 per game so far this year. But their defensive metrics, like you look, they're number one in steals in the league right now. They're number one in turnovers. To me, that's encouraging because, you know, that was the brand of basketball that we knew coming into the season. That's how they were going to play. That's how they they were going to be successful. And right now they're living up to it. To me, that looks like a long-term, you know, good sign. And OG is crucial to that. So for me, in talking trades, I'm not touching an OG and an OB trade unless it is really for that number one guy. And I don't even know right now if I would just think about what we were talking about on the show, like giving up four first round picks, adding OG like that. That's a lot, man. That is seriously a lot to give up. And right now I'm really happy with his game and what he can bring And It's going to be tough. You know, you have to give to get, which I think a lot of people forget, but like right now, I think OG's emergence has been huge. And I don't, I think at the end of the year, we could be looking at in an OB on this roster as really a bona fide piece to the core. And, you know, right now he's like that. You you include him, right? You have Van Vliet, Barnes, Siakam. I really think he's going to merge himself as maybe a top three piece because I love Fred Van Vliet, man. And this is where I'm going to go with my next point. Are you worried about his injury stuff so far early on this year? They're working him a lot. I love Fred. I, Siakam's probably my favorite on the team, but – Are you nervous? Because I'm a little bit skeptical. I'm on that borderline worried about, you know, we're so early and we're starting to see signs already.
2: Yeah. I mean, the the problem with Fred is that, you know, he's not getting any younger. Um, You know, he's a small guard. And this is kind of the way it goes sometimes with these guys, right? I mean, we can't look at Lowry. Lowry was kind of the exception to the rule. Nobody had ever been that size and lasted that long playing that kind of game. Yeah. You know it's definitely not encouraging um I mean the efficiency thing like Fred Riffleet's always been inefficient um I think like he's kind of always been that guy who um you know he'll shoot the three ball better than he shoots from the field right like that's just kind of how he is but um in terms of injuries like we saw last year I think we saw the year before like unfortunately he's just like an injury prone guy and that's just how like small guards usually go um uh, although he isn't the most athletic guy, so again, I don't think he'll age terribly. Um, you know, as he does get older, because he does have that shot after all. But you know, he's a guy who plays ferocious defense. He's a guy who's always going around screens, pushing tempo. Um, so yeah, especially this early coming out of the off season, like you, you hate to see this kind of stuff. Um, hopefully, he can bounce back. But like you said, it's it it doesn't bode well. It doesn't you know project well. Um, you kind of just hope that this isn't like a lingering thing that kind of hampers their season because he's getting paid a lot and he's a key member, like you said.
1: Yeah, it's definitely something that I'm worried about already. Um, You made all great points there. Fred, you know, when he's on his game, he's vital to this team. And like you said, he's getting paid a lot. Uh, He deserves that. He was crucial to this team when they went on that run. I hope he comes back. Like you said, if this is lingering, then we have a serious, serious problem here because he is a real key piece to this offense. And this is a team that already doesn't score at a tremendous rate. They're about mid pack right now. I think they sit 16th in the league. Um, they're, they're going to need Freddie when it matters most. And I'm okay with him sitting out a game here and there, especially early on in the season. Um, but you know, when it comes time against, you know, these top end contenders, like, you know, when we have to travel to Milwaukee, like tonight against Dallas, we're recording this before the game tonight, depending on when you're listening to this, but yeah, you, you know, you made great points there with Fred. And like you said, if this is a lingering issue, I'm worried because, you know, right now it's fine, right? He sits against Atlanta. You kind of can rest him against these bottom end teams, these bottom tier teams, you know, like the blowout in San Antonio and so forth moving forward. But when it comes time to that back end of the schedule, you're playing the top teams. Like if you got to travel to Milwaukee, you know, let's say on a Monday and then you got to play the back to back against the Celtics on a Tuesday, you know, I'm not, I don't know the schedule off by heart. So I don't know if that does happen. I'm just saying that, you know, like if a scenario like that happens, you know, those could be pivotal games when the playoffs come around and it's all said and done. And I think I mean, you both think that this team's getting in. But, you know, last year, this Raptors team, they were just a couple games back from ultimately winning their division um, if they had their start a little bit better, right? They started 500 as very mediocre. But at the end of the year, they were one of the best teams in basketball in the regular season. And I think right now, if they can just, you know, pile up some wins here, you know, stay above that 500 rate. With how this team ended off last season, I don't think it's too far out of question that they could potentially win the East. Um, you know, are they going to make it to the NBA Finals? That's still so much time to tell. But right now, I think, you know, with Fred, you got to monitor it. If it's lingering, it's going to be a huge problem. And if it's so bad that, you know, he's going to be missing a ton of games. I'm sorry, man. I think you have to get aggressive and I think you have to go find somebody to bring in because, you know, you're going to look for that offense from within. This is already a team that's mediocre in the pack in points per game. I think they're 16th right now in the league. We're recording this before uh, the Mavericks game tonight. If you're listening to this, depending on when. Um, So, you know, I think they have to go and find a piece if this if this issue is lingering, because van vliet's awesome you know he was huge to their to the success here in toronto when we did win the championship but if you're gonna sit him out for this amount of games you're gonna need points and relying on your own players you know siakam's already doing some crazy stuff barnes yes he has still room to improve offensively too i think that's gonna happen og's gonna have to step up you're waiting for all these guys to step up i think you have to get aggressive and go make a move what do you think
2: yeah i mean i think the biggest hole that kind of uh presents itself is the fact that uh you know the half court offense like it's been fine so far but you know no fred outside of trent who are you really looking at to really be a consistent you know creator in half court like siakam can do it of course but when doubles start coming and everything like that, you need guys who can also make their own shot. Like OG can do it at times, sure. But you need that guy. Like Fred's that guy where if they're stuck in the half court for possession after possession after possession, like, you know, that's the guy they have to go to, right? And if he's out of the lineup, right, is Malachi that guy? I mean, I don't think so. I don't think that's a guy you can trust at least, right? Like there's a lot of trust he has to earn before you can, you know, just throw him out there with the starters and think, like, okay, go get some half court buckets, go create some half court buckets, right? And that kind of thing. There's a lot of talent on this Raptors offense, on this Raptors roster in general, really. But the problem is, is that a lot of these guys are either non-ball dominant guys who can score off the ball with cuts and catch and shoot or whatever, uh, pick and rolls, that kind of thing. Or they flat out just, you know, they're not scorers, right? They're defensive heavy guys, right? So what we're looking at is we just need somebody there. And you're right. If Fred goes down, they have to make a move if they want to contend this year. If that's the goal, which in my opinion, it should be. I don't see why not. I think we're in, we're kind of in an age of basketball where you're seeing these veteran-led teams kind of you know um, falter, right? So there's a lot of windows, a lot of opportunities, and the Raptors could jump right in there and make make an impact, right? So yeah, I agree. If Fred's if Fred's out, you're already running pretty thin at guard with just him, and then the big drop off to Malachi. So I think you're gonna have to go get somebody, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, you just kind of gave me a concussion uh, bringing up the drop off between. Van Vliet to Malachi Flynn. That we all know that I'm not the biggest Malachi Flynn fan. Um, it's pretty obvious, I guess. That's you know not and too rare of something to say. I'm sure tons of Raptors fans aren't the biggest fan of his, especially with the whole situation how he, he's been handled here since being drafted and you know off the court issues with management. But they have to go out and get somebody, and this is where if they did swing a, a move for Brogdon, th- this is a guy that could have you know really been vital to this area of need that we're talking about but i agree with what you said i love the way you explained the offensive stuff surrounding this roster um you know as we get to the end of this episode here on the return to the Battleborn raptors podcast let's have some fun so tonight like i said we're recording this before the mavs game nick according to multiple betting websites right now they have the over under for Luka Doncic points tonight at 32 uh, that's a bit surprising because he's averaging over 36 right now. Uh, what are you saying for that over under?
2: That's tough, man. Cause I got a lot. I can't lie. Like Luca is one of my favorite players in the NBA. The guy's been on a tear to start the season. Like I we can't emphasize how good he is, but the Raptors defense is built to stop guys like this, right? They're built to stop one man crews, um, especially without Brunson. Now, um, you know, I think it, You know, I could very easily see this being an under game for him. Right. Don't get me wrong. You like I might look really stupid saying this. I might. But I think they're going to go with the philosophy of having somebody else other than Luca beat them. And now unless he gets into a bunch of free throw, like, you know, a bunch of uh, he draws a bunch of fouls and he's on the line like 15 times. I really don't think he he scores over 32 in this game. What about you?
1: I mean, I'm in the same boat as you. I love Luca. Um, he's had a fantastic start, but I think everything you said is perfect, right? You hit the nail right on the head. This defense is designed for players in teams like Doncic and Dallas. What I will say, if I am offering petting advice though, go look at the other point totals and smash these all. Um, because the Raptors are going to give up a lot of opportunities to Spencer Dinwiddie. That's a guy that, you know, when he's clicking, he could score a lot of points. I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe he hits his over tonight at 15.5 uh, Dorian Finney Smith as well. He's um, he's got his over under at 8.5. You know, he's not really known as a tremendous you know point scorer, but you know, I certainly wouldn't be surprised he hits 10 or 12 tonight, given the how much attention um, you know, Donchus is going to receive. Oh, they actually dropped it now. It's 31.5 from when I last checked this morning on Doncic. So I think, you know, the betting favorites out there are really, con- you know, taking into effect how good this Raptors team is and how well they're set up for main guys like Doncic. And, you know, Dallas is a good team. I hope, you know, Dallas is weird because, like, I look at the West, right? Dallas is a team that I kind of liked when they first started. They've had, you know, their time. I loved Brunson last season. Um, you know, I i would like to see them get some success. Uh obviously the Mavericks are a team that's you know, they haven't really been that good in recent, you know, history in terms of winning wise, right? And since uh Noritsky. So, you know, I'd like to see them get back to where you know they were when we were growing up as basketball fans. So I'm kind of rooting for them a little bit. Um, they're kind of like that western team that I like watching. And most of, mostly because Doncic, right? Like, how can you not love watching Doncic? But they have some good players, man, and you know I'm kind of wondering how this team projects over the long season because, you know, they made some trades. You know, Christian Wood, like I, I was expecting way more out of him. I'm not gonna lie. Um, but so far it's been really quiet in
2: Dallas. What is your thoughts? Yeah, I kind of expect him to be better as well. I agree with you there. Um, you know, I kind of anticipated him to be a lot more considering what we saw from him. Um, you know, the previous season. Um. You know, any kind of fit, what you would expect, um, you know, what you would want, sorry, to play alongside Doncic. You know, you want that big man who can score from multiple levels. Um, and it, it's kind of weird. Like, we're kind of seeing a trend of these big men who are effective elsewhere coming to Dallas and then struggling, which is really odd. Because, like, playing beside someone like Luka, you'd think that it would do the exact opposite. But uh, strangely enough, like, that hasn't been the case. Like They have not improved at all. Uh, you know, these borderline all-star players have come and just gotten worse. They've regressed. And I, I don't think there's a reason for that. Like, I don't want to blame Luca for that or anything, but it's a bit strange, don't you think?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's the way they're kind of handling wood as well, like a rotational kind of piece to start off the year, starting to emerge as more of a factor. But this is a weird team. And that's why, like, I just get so confused because I always pencil them in. You always look at the betting odds before the season if you want to put some money on it. They always have good odds to win it all. Then, you know, the season kicks off. We're like eight, ten games in for most teams. And you're really scratching your head. Like, what is this team really up to? Right now they're eighth in the West. I think they're going to climb up. You know, I don't think they're going to stay there. It's still super early. We're only eight games in, right? But, you know, I'm wondering with this team, like, how good are they really, like, Doncic. after that, it gets a little thin. I like Dinwiddie a lot, don't get me wrong, but, like, this team, without Brunson, Brunson was huge for them last season, and, you know, poor Zingis before that. Besides his injuries, when he was healthy, he was still a big-time contributor, and, you know, nothing like he was what he once was before. You know, like you mentioned your point, they seem to, like, just, I don't know what happens. They just fall off um, a drastic clip. They're, they're still, like, you know, serviceable, but, like, they're not what they traded for um and you know if I was a Dallas fan I'd be frustrated and you know I know a lot about this Mavs team because I'm a Cowboys fan and you know I listen to Cowboys radio and they always talk about the Mavs and you know even folks in Dallas are kind of like you know what's happening and like how are we getting success when we have like arguably a top three player in the league right now Luka Doncic who's obviously been the, the front runner for MVP so far through these eight games but you know, it's frustrating, man. If I was a Dallas Mavericks fan, I would really start to question, you know, what's management's plans for the long term? Because these are years where you could really catch fire with Luka Doncic having games like he is so far. And we've already seen Milwaukee maximize Giannis. Why isn't Dallas maximizing this effort from Doncic? And, you know, maybe if you ask me one for one, Giannis or Doncic. I think i'm still going with the honest, but they're still on that same you know threshold of these are young superstars and these are elite talents that don't come around very often right now the dallas mavericks kind of remind me of you know those stick cars that you drive but it's stuck in manual you know what i mean
2: yeah man it's weird it's like the, you have like the per like it's almost the exact opposite of the raptors really like you know you have this like perfect Perfect piece to build around where you know he's the number one piece of a championship team. Um, you know, and especially early on, like he wasn't very expensive. so it it was just kind of an odd situation. Like I think it's been total mismanagement, like if I'm being honest, um they definitely should have been more aggressive. I don't know who that falls on. I don't know. maybe they thought they got the right guys and they just didn't develop. But it's been pretty unfortunate. Like by now, you'd think that they'd at least you know all the deep runs that they've had in the playoffs have been basically Luca dragging them there. Right. Like they really haven't like, you know, besides Brunson, obviously, you know, playing, I guess, uh, you know, Robin to Lucas Batman, like there really hasn't been a team effort to get them a deep run. Like it's been Luca just dragging guys and, and, and single handedly winning series. So it's unfortunate to see. But, you know, hopefully, you know, they lose tonight. But other than that, like, I really hope they do turn it around because he's fun to watch and he's going to be around for a long time.
1: I agree. Uh, I think we can wrap it up now. Let's just finish off with the Raptors are surprising underdogs tonight. Um, You know, it's a bit surprising to me, given how the Mavericks have really fared out recently. Besides Doncic, like I said, it's been pretty thin. Um, The spread's at 3.5 for Dallas. Are you taking the Raptors in that? Because I know I am.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I would almost bet Raptors' money line, but even if you wanted to go safer and take the points, like, I think that's a gimme, like, yes, you don't have Fred, but when you really break it down, like, I just, I just don't see a way that, like, this Dallas offense scores, you know, 120, 125, and, um, you know, the Raptors have been playing really well, they've been playing a lot of, like, if I'm not mistaken, I think, like, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'd assume that, like, you know, Dallas would be one of the weaker defensive teams that they've played, or at least, you know, um, you know, a little bit less overall star power when you look at the other teams they've played, you know, they've played Philly, Miami, um, Brooklyn, like guys who have all had like um like legit, legit multiple stars, right? So, you know, having a one-man show kind of rolling it down, like, you know, I'm a little bit more confident in that than I would be against those other teams. And they fared just fine against those other teams. So I think it bodes well for tonight. I'm I'm pretty confident going into it.
1: I agree. Let's hope the Raptors get a win tonight in Dallas. Thank you guys for listening to the Battleborn Raptors podcast. We'll be back with you guys again real soon as this Raptors team continues to hopefully win games.
0: Hi, where are you from? Canada. Everybody on the left. Everybody on the right. In the front and in the back. Let them know where you're from. Reppin' everywhere I go, everywhere everywhere I go. Everywhere everybody, I go. From everybody from the cold, this is where we callin' home, where we reppin' everywhere I go, million people at your door, this is where we callin' home, oh, no, oh, I'm, million million I'm from the T-Dizzle, O, hot with the sizzle, flows, cold when the airplanes land in the dock. Home of the black patois Patwan, proper English. Rep it like it's my gang. That's why I sing this. Bleed red and white like Coca-Cola classic. Some people I know still have their couches in the plastic. Good people got blasted, so we pour a little liquor out and think about it while we blasted. Real figures here, never seen an Eskimo. Fronts in the wrong area n- might let it go. Yeah, I love where I'm from. Every 2.5 million, sing out.